Hi, I'm your host, Kelly Joe, and this is the Nourished Motherhood Podcast, a show dedicated to bringing together the voices of motherhood and helping women connect with others and themselves through the power of sharing honest, vulnerable stories. Because every woman deserves to have a place where her voice is heard. We believe that supporting mothers is one of the healthiest things we can do for our society. There's a balance of beauty and grit to be found in every woman's story. And we're so honored you're here to listen, connect, and grow with us. Let's dive in. Motherhood comes in all shapes and sizes, and the journey to becoming a mother is different for each one of us. Most women I've talked to who are also a mother have shared that becoming a mother has been one of the biggest transformations they've experienced. And I'd have to agree. Whether it's a smooth or rough journey into motherhood, it's just that. It's a journey of becoming. When a child is born, so is a mother. In today's Voices of Motherhood conversation, I have the privilege to connect with Brittany Ross, a writer, wellness advocate, and founder of Mission 108, as she shares her unique, painful, healing, and beautiful journey into motherhood. We discuss everything from fertility challenges and pregnancy loss to adoption to her surprise pregnancy with her second child. We also talk a lot about the journey of becoming, finding your identity, and the beauty of raising kiddos. What Brittany shares is powerful, healing, and life-giving. Her story is a wonderful reminder that we're not alone and there's always hope. All right, let's get this conversation started. Wow. Thank you, Brittany, for joining us today. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Nourished Motherhood podcast, and I'm really excited about our conversation we're about to have today. I have been following your journey for a couple of years, and I just think there's so many aspects of your journey that's just wildly encouraging. And um, so I'm really excited to just share this conversation to other women and moms. And thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here with you. Uh, Well, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, what does life look like right now? Like, how many kiddos do you have? Where do you live? Like, just let us know what life, a glimpse in the day. Yeah, yeah. So life right now is really, really good. And uh, I think a lot of our conversation today will be about a time in my life when it was not really, really good. Um, but where I am today, it's such a beautiful, I mean, every single day I wake up and I look at my girls, I have two little girls and I'm still reminded of the miracle and the miracle that they are, but just the miracle to be their mom. I feel like motherhood. I always tell people that I crawled on my hands and knees into motherhood. I did not have that experience that some women have where they kind of hop and skip and bounce with a smile on their face into motherhood. Um, And both stories are beautiful, but mine was more of like a crawling, bloody mess. Mm. And when when I get to wake up my girls every morning, I just am so thankful and, and reminded that miracles still exist. Um, and aside from raising two girls, I'm writing a book and I'm traveling. My husband um, travels for work. And so we are like back and forth all over the place, traveling with two kids in and out of hotels. So I just am telling myself like, this is an adventure. Let go of your expectations of schedules yes. and routines. And they're learning so much and we've adjusted into it. It's been really fun. Um, 
but we're like home one week, gone another week. And then, you know, I'm, I'm moms. know I'm like writing a book in the crevices of the day <laughs> where my, my kids are not begging for snacks. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I get it. Um, I think too, especially after this last year, trying to work from home and like kids are in and out and popping in and yeah. on meetings and just, I think it's given us all a level of like extended grace for family yeah. in this season for sure. Uh, are you sharing what your book's about or is that still under like wraps? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't share like the name of the book, but okay. I can definitely tell you it's a memoir. So it's my story. Um, and it's just about a woman who woke up to her own self through the lens of finding identity in the wrong places. And so race, religion, marriage, and motherhood are four ways that women identify themselves wow. Um, and that is such a beautiful way to define yourself until you lose yourself in those boxes. And so, you know, early, early on race and religion, obviously race for everyone. And a lot of us, religion is such a huge part of our life. Those were just two things that I used to define myself. And then marriage, I got married very young at 21 or no, I was, my husband was 21. I was 20. And wow. so I just, yeah, I was a, a literal baby <laughs> and, um, my husband and I've been married for, I think it'll be 14 years this year. You know, you kind of lose count after 10, but I think 14 and, um, but I, and I, I love my husband and we are like best friends, but I married a professional athlete and I had no idea what that meant. And I kind of stepped into this a little bit of a limelight and a whole lot of pressure. And I really cracked under the pressure and I had no idea who I was until one day I was lying on the bathroom floor, miscarrying my first baby and was really just left with all of myself and uh, was kind of willing to say, who am I and what do I believe in? And motherhood and the journey into motherhood really woke me up. And so the book is all about those four boxes that women find themselves using to identify and find purpose. But I'm really challenging like, okay, beneath that, is there something deeper that we can use to find purpose? Oh my gosh, that is incredible. And first of all, memoirs are one of my favorite genres of books. So good. consider me signing up with the pre-sales. Like I want to, you know... (laughs) Get that Thank book. you. I think it's such a powerful like topic though of what you like. I think our culture too, we're so hungry to belong somewhere as well. Mm-hmm. And like, so it, to put that label on us, right. Whether it is like marriage, right. I'm a wife or I'm a mom or I'm, you know, like I'm this faith or whatever. And so I, I do think that's really powerful. And I'm really excited to like hear more about your own story and journey through that as well. And think that'll touch so many lives and be very relatable. I think especially the season and time we're in right now. So that is exciting. So that's happening in the cracks of everything else, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's so fun. And then do you have any, before we like go into like some deeper topics, you say you're traveling all the time. What are your tips for moms traveling with young kids? Like your best one or two tips for Mm -hmm. life on the road. Okay. Emotionally just drop. I mean, not even if you're traveling, I think traveling has taught me this, but really just drop your expectations. Like the kids are going to be fine. I was talking to my mom about this the other day. My mom was like, you know, I raised you. 
parents today are like, what's your parenting style? Are you this? Are you that? And so we're like having to fit ourselves again into these boxes of like attachment parenting or this parenting or that parenting. And we're, we're increasing the expectations when most of us parent best when we are lowering our expectations, right? Because the world puts the pressure on us. Like we don't need to put the extra layer of, of pressure on ourselves to like, I had this moment the other day where I was like, my kid has only eaten four vegetables today. Like, what am I doing wrong? And my mom was like, do you realize that most kids don't eat vegetables in like a four month span? And I just, you know, the lies and the stories that we tell ourselves about what kind of parent we should be. And I think Instagram and social media plays a role in that it's taken away from our actual connection with our kids And when we're addicted to like, we got to get to bedtime, we got to make sure we're reading this many books and we got to do this, just lower your expectations and meet your child where you are at. And the days when I do that, like parenting feels so great. Now I do that like one out of the 10 days. Um, But (laughs) I am like, that's the goal is like, you know what? I just want my children to feel loved and nourished and taken care of. and, And really the other stuff doesn't matter. And then I would say like traveling tip in the practical is get a slumber pod. Oh, it's the best thing ever. Yeah. If you have babies that that. are like, it's now, okay. So there's two pieces to this. If you're a mom that is like paying attention to their circadian rhythm and does not want blackout, it's probably not the best. But if you're a mom, that's like, I understand the circadian rhythm matters, but also so does sleep. And I'm traveling a lot. It's like this tent dome thing that you can put over top, whatever they're sleeping in a crib, a pack and play, and you stick a sound machine right under it. And it like is the best thing ever. We have not had any sleep issues because sleeping in different beds for kids can be a bit of a challenge, but the slumber pod just like cocoons them in this little sleep bowl of heaven. And it has been such a good thing we've done traveling. Oh my gosh. Well, we need that here in Alaska. You need that. Yes. <laughs> we need that. Yeah. When you have like 55 <laughs> consecutive hours of sun or whatever the heck you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. You need that. That is, oh my gosh, that's great. Well, that is really helpful. Thank you for that. Wow. Well, I would love to just like um, dive into some more of you. You said you came kicking and screaming into motherhood and, and that really you had this awakening begin that moment you were on the floor in your bathroom. Can we like mm-hmm. back up to your, your story and your journey, like back to the beginning of motherhood? Yeah. 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 So um, really it starts with, I want you to know my husband, he, him and I are best friends. We got married super young and we had this five-year plan, right? Like we were 20 and 21 years old and we were like, the first of our friends to get married. And so we were like, we'll give it five years. We're going to travel and pursue dreams. And, you know, five years came and we were like, we're not ready to be pregnant. Um, and fast forward a couple months, you know, we were pregnant and it was a huge surprise. And, um, that first day, like looking at that pregnancy test at 24, 25 years old, I didn't even know how to read a pregnancy test. Like I was like, what, what are two lines? You know, and I'm like trying to figure out like, am I a mom? Am I not a mom? And it turns out I was pregnant. And it was in that moment that I realized I'm so ready. And I, what I think now, and when I talk to moms who've dealt with infertility is I try to validate the experience of, 
I didn't become an actual mom until several years later. Like I didn't have a child in my arms until several years later. Cause I ended up miscarrying that pregnancy, but the seed and the desire to become a mom is the strongest desire mm-hmm. I have ever had. And it, like motherhood was a- awakened in me before I had children in my arms And so, you know, I I thought I was healthy. I thought I was living this healthy lifestyle, but was making just some flippant decisions that I didn't know what it affect my health and ended up miscarrying and then miscarried two more times. So I had a total of three miscarriages in one year and was just battling with what was going on inside of me. And then seeking out medical doctor's opinions. And I was met with, you're fine. You're healthy. This is normal. And there was just something, you know, I call it the still small voice inside of us. There was something inside of me that said, Mm -hmm. this might be common, but this is not normal. Like my body, I believe that my body and it's, it's beautiful design was meant to carry a baby and that miscarriage and infertility was not in, in my body's original design, I think women can choose not to become a mother. And that is one thing. And I honor and I respect that. I don't think Mm -hmm. that every woman needs to be a mom, but it shouldn't be chosen for us. And I felt like my body was making this decision that my heart and my mind did not want. My journey into becoming a mom, I just really knew inside of me that I was meant to become a mom. And it wasn't something that I was choosing. It was something that was being chosen for me. And Mm -hmm. so when, when medical doctors were telling me you're fine, we can do this medical intervention or, you know, just use a surrogate. I just felt like no one was hearing me. And I, I wanted, you know, we had plans to adopt and I really, I really sat down with myself and asked, like, do I want to do IVF if we're already going planning to adopt is, is a biological child, something that, um, I need. And so I grieved that and Mm -hmm. then something happened in me. And I realized like, I need to get to the root cause, perhaps infertility and miscarriage is just this random phenomenon, right? Like perhaps these medical doctors are like, this is normal. This is common. This is just what happens. And I do think that that is the case sometimes, but I knew for myself, like something was not right. And so I sought out naturopathic medicine and holistic healing and I, we, we adopted. And so we knew we were ready to become parents and we set out on the adoption journey. And alongside that, I grieved having biological children. And I actually got to a point where I was like, I've done enough to my body. I'm ready to never be pregnant again. Um, but I was seeking out this, um, holistic health and wellness and, and just really wanting to feel good inside of my skin. Because if Mm -hmm. I was honest with myself, I didn't feel good. Like I was 24 years old and I was chronically fatigued and I had anxiety and all those things that doctors say are normal. Just take this pill for, and I am, I'm not knocking uh, East Western medicine by any means. Allopathic medicine has its place Mm -hmm. certainly. Um, but I just felt like that was like the last resort for me was to to use allopathic medicine to treat my symptoms. I wanted to kind of go this natural route and try everything else possible to heal. And then I got pregnant (laughs) for a fourth time. 
And, um, I was the biggest shock of my life because I was ready to like, not ever be pregnant again. Um, and you know, now she's 18 months old. So, wow, that's so, that's so encouraging and just like wild to, to see both routes into motherhood. And I think sometimes we have this idea that our journey into motherhood has to look a specific way or like our birth has to look a certain way. Otherwise it makes us less than or something, but like, there's so many different avenues. I think, uh, something I had heard you say once on your, your Instagram was, you know, you just, you don't have to have your own child to be a mother is like, you can be a mom to others as well. Like it's something that's in you in a greater thing than just biological Mm. children or adopted children, or even having children in your own home, right? Like it extends Mm -hmm. far beyond. So I think that's, what's really, one of the things that's really powerful about your journey is like you had multiple routes into motherhood and multiple experiences as well. Yeah. Yeah. Adoption made me a mom. And I always, since I was a little girl knew that we would adopt, um, And, you know, it's been really interesting being a biological mom and an adoptive mom. And, um, people ask me all the time, like, did you have a biological baby because you adopted? There's like this sort of unsaid feeling that people think, oh, if you just adopt, then you'll have a biological baby. And that was not the case for me at all. Like I knew that we wanted to adopt and that was very separate for me than having a biological child. I felt like adoption is not some sort of means to an end or like, if you do this, then you'll get that for me and my husband, we both knew the journey was to adopt. And we actually had a failed adoption right before, um, our, our, um, daughter was adopted. And so, yeah, I just felt like my journey into motherhood was three miscarriages an infertility diagnosis, a failed adoption, and I was just kind of like, I'm done. Like I'm done trying to be a mom because every door is being closed. And now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm so lucky that I got both because mm. I know that for me, both was, was really what I wanted. That's really cool. Um, how, like, how long was that journey for the adoption like period? What did that look like for you guys? So we started the adoption journey. The goal all along was once we, cause I was doing some international development work and working overseas, um, with the extreme poor. And so my goal was like, Hey, once I have a healthy pregnancy, we're going to start the adoption process. I originally thought that we would do an international adoption and learned very quickly that there's a lot of human trafficking in the adoption world and navigating that felt very icky for me. And so we decided to do a domestic adoption, um, but a healthy pregnancy never came for me. And so, you know, right around the time that my doctor gave me the infertility diagnosis was kind of the time that he said, you can do IVF or we can look into surrogacy. And my husband and I were like, we're going to put that piece on pause and focus on this other piece that we, we thought we would do at the same time. So right when um, we were presented with IVF or surrogacy, that felt like a huge thing for me to think through. It wasn't like, like he was very much like, we can start next month. And I felt like, you know, 
I was never given an official diagnosis as to why I was miscarrying and then eventually diagnosed in infertile. Um, there was never like this cut clear, here's what's wrong. And so I felt just odd about how do we know IVF will even work? Do we want to spend all this money on something that we don't even know why my body's doing this? Um, my husband and I decided that we would start the adoption process and it was about, it was very, very, very quick for us. We were matched with a birth mom within weeks, within weeks of starting the process. Yeah. And then walked through seven months of pregnancy with this birth mom. And then, um, she was around 20 weeks when we matched with her and then she decided to parent and, 10 days after she decided to parent, I got a phone call about our now daughter. Um, so it was a very, very short process for us in the adoption world. Oftentimes you're told from like filling out the paperwork to three years, but I will say for anyone who wants to adopt, the more open you are, you get preferences. If you want, like you can choose, I think you can choose like race, gender, you can have birth mom preferences, the more open you are, um, the quicker the process. And I know that that's not always the right thing for every family, but we, we were just at this point where we were like, our baby is going to be our baby no matter what. And we're ready to become parents and God's going to kind of open the door the way that the door needs to open. And so it was pretty quick for us. That's so cool to hear. Yeah. And I think there's just, it's a, there's not a one size fits all right with that for like, just like for some, they get pregnant right away. Right. Like it's the first time they try it's easy. It seems smooth, but for others, it's like that painful journey of years, right? Like of years of trying to get pregnant. And so you, you've experienced on one hand, right. The years of trying to get pregnant naturally. And then also just had this super fast And I think that's so cool to that. The first birth mom you were working with, like, and like walking alongside decided to parent like that is like always the goal too, right? Like always the goal. Yeah. And coming from this like international development mindset, I, um, learned a lot about the adoption process and, and now, um, I'm such an advocate for foster care and fostering to adopt because, there's just a lot of, you know, I work in anti-human trafficking and coercion is a big piece of trafficking. And there's a lot of layers in the adoption world. And the whole time, you know, I look back and her decision to parent, I'm actually like so proud of because in so many ways I became an advocate for her and I walked alongside her pregnancy. And I think that, you know, ultimately she made that decision, but I hope that some of my encouragement really was the reason that she decided to parent. Um, because she didn't have support anywhere else. And I really became like an advocate for her. And and that baby was her baby until she signed papers and, and decided to place for adoption. And, you know, for that mom and her baby, that the result was exactly what it needed to be. And I know as an adoptive mom, how hard that can sound sometimes because you do want your baby, but ultimately I think adoptive parents, the goal is for bio mom and baby to stay together. And the last, you know, my daughter's story starts in loss and there's no getting around that. It starts in, in tragedy. She lost 
her biological mom. And we will always honor that loss. Um, even though we know that she was, she and I and our family were meant to be together and that that is her story. And she is so a part of our family in like insane ways. Um, just, it goes, our bond goes beyond biology, but I think it's really important to keep in mind that with adoptive families, um, those babies are losing their birth mom, the only home that they've known for their entire life. You know, the nine months of pregnancy that their bio mom carried them. Hmm. That's so powerful. I think that's really beautiful. I, I myself am adopted. And so I just like, Oh, I I didn't know that. So it's a huge, I mean, exactly what you said of like, my life started in loss. Right. And like the fact that you create space for that and to honor that, but also like, I can't imagine my life without my family, like, and where I was placed. And like, my parents always said you were chosen. And like, that was really special at the same time. And, and now I have a relationship with my biological mom and it's just like, wow, it's both are really precious. And like, there was so much purpose for both. And, um, so I just am like a huge advocate of adoption. We want to adopt. And like, I just think to be able to create for really supporting, like coming alongside of like, I think something else you said is like, we all belong to each other. Is that a quote? Yeah. One of your quotes. Yeah, that is. Yeah. That's the mantra of our nonprofit. Mm -hmm. I love that. Cause I really, like, I see that too, like in your story, just even talking about your journey, like into adoption, both, you know, walking alongside birth mom with the first adoption that fell through, but she decided to parent how empowering that was for her. But then also with your daughter with gypsy, that's really, I think that's beautiful because it shows that it's like, uh, those words are being lived out in action, I guess. Mm, and that's yeah. so powerful. Thank you. I didn't know you were adopted. And that makes, I think that makes this conversation even more beautiful and more powerful because it's not often that I get to have a conversation with someone that what that has been adopted and, you know, I'm doing my best as an adoptive parent, but I also will just never know pieces of what it feels like to be adopted. So thank you. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the journey you're on of like your own healing, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, like as you show up whole and then you create those spaces, you know, for your daughters, both your daughters, because they're going to walk through their own circumstances and own trials and to give them the space for that outworking of that healing is just, you already are aware of it. And it doesn't sound like you're trying to suppress it or pretend it doesn't exist. And so I think that's like half the battle is like acknowledging it and creating the space for it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I want to dive into a little bit like about your, like your health journey of like you, you know, you have this journey into motherhood and it, it was an awakening with your own identity, right? Like who you are beyond a mother, a wife, you know, but also what was, what did it look like for you to address those parts of going to the root issue of those, that infertility diagnosis? And like, what did that look like physically, emotionally, mentally, like spiritually walking through all of that? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, I'll be totally honest. At first it was extremely lonely and isolating because I had this wild notion that no one else that I knew was talking about. Like everyone else that I, that had kind of been in my motherhood journey was like 
just do this or like you can't heal from infertility or you know this it's this plus this equals this and i don't know what it was i mean i do know what it was i know that it was that it was god but i don't know why i don't know why god just set this it was such a tiny little flame inside of me that told me to just keep going to keep asking mm-hmm. more questions and i think i do see now like i'm like my mind is so blown and how God did all of this before 2020. And I think that, you know, COVID has really made people want to dive deeper into their own health and to understand our bodies. You know, I look back at my ancestors and see how they were so connected to the earth and they were so connected to their own bodies. And even the way that certain communities treat moms and women especially in those birthing years, I just really started to like laser focus on what it meant to be truly whole. And a piece of that was to be really healthy. And I just started to think like, I'm 20 something years old. Should I be having panic attacks? Like, I know everyone is saying this is normal, but I just, something inside of me said, I think it's common. I don't think that it's supposed to be. I don't think that I should be in my twenties and suffering from anxiety and suffering from chronic fatigue and now having, you know, infertility. And I just absorbed everything that I could where people were talking about healing and talking about hope. And, you know, my goal at first was to just get pregnant And then eventually I really surrendered that goal and it was no longer to get pregnant. It was just to be healthy and to live like a really healthy and whole life and whatever that meant. And so I started reading books on people that who had healed themselves and it really aligned with like this Jesus that I saw in the Bible that like a lot of Christian circles weren't talking about was like this Jesus that healed people's physical bodies before he really asked anyone about their sin or about their spiritual life. Like Jesus lasered in on people's physical bodies and he healed women and he healed children. And I thought because I was doing this international development work and I was working with survivors of human trafficking, a lot of people know that survivors go through a lot of emotional trauma, but there's also this physical trauma piece of like, girls will never be able to have children due to the amount of times they've been trafficked and raped. But I would see miracles in our safe home in India. And I would see girls who had been deemed infertile and told never to have babies because it was dangerous and they were healed. And so I just dared, I dared to believe that if God could do that in them and in these people that I was reading about who had written books and podcasts that maybe God could do that to me. And I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know until I gave birth, like my entire pregnancy, I was like, not really believing that I was pregnant, not really believing that I was healed. And I believed every single day that I was going to lose her. And now that I'm on the other side, I can reflect back and see, like, I focused on healing my body. And so then my body was able to, you know, pregnancy is such a tender time in a woman's life. Anyone who's been pregnant knows like it's, it's a little bit like performing in the Olympics (laughs) and, you know, we all act like it's this like easy thing that we do, but it's not. And of course my body was not able to sustain a pregnancy 
because I was not healthy. And once I got healthy and I started to understand my body and what my body needed, you know, I really believe that we're all bio individual and that what worked for me, a lot of women ask me all the time, what did you do to get pregnant? And it's so hard for me because I know that my story is filled with such hope, but I also believe that what worked for me is not going to work for everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to, if you can dive into your own bio-individual needs and work on that healing so that your body can do whatever it is. Maybe it's not pregnancy for you. Maybe it's another type of healing, but for me, you know, looking back, it, it only made sense that once I started focusing on healing myself, that then my body would get pregnant. Oh, hey there, just popping into your episode to let you know about Nourish to Flourish, our transformative course about how to get pregnant, create a healthy foundation for you and your baby, and cultivate the support network you deserve. Have you been thinking about getting pregnant, but feeling uncertain or afraid? Or maybe you've been trying for what feels like forever and you're worried something's wrong. Whatever your unique situation, pregnancy and the journey to get there can feel isolating, lonely, and hard. Nourished to Flourish was created to help you feel empowered, informed, and connected, confident in your ability to make the best choices, and supported by the Nourished Motherhood community. It's all the information and education you need to enhance your fertility, have a healthy pregnancy, and enjoy a vibrant postpartum season. You can explore the course yourself at nourishedmotherhood.com forward slash nourished dash to dash flourish, or click the link in the show notes. Becoming a mom is a wild ride. You deserve personalized support at every step of your journey. That's really powerful. Yeah, I think uh, so often we're just told you have to live with XYZ diagnosis, whether it's an autoimmune or infertility. And, and I think that's just really disempowering. And it sounds like you all, like, not only did you just focus on your health, but you had to become your own advocate too through the process. I absolutely did. Yeah. And- I absolutely did. And I will be totally honest with you. A lot of doctors laughed in my face and told me it was never going to happen to get over it. I should just do IVF and, and IVF is such an incredible thing. Like I cannot believe how science has created that. And, and any woman who's done IVF, like you've walked an entirely different journey, but still such a hard journey into motherhood. I know that it is not easy. I've, I've held the hands of some of my best friends who've done IVF and that too feels isolating and lonely. Um, and I just come back to that women are not and America does a lot of things. Great. But America does not, I think we're starting to, I really do think that post 2020, women are going to be valued more, but women and mothers are just simply not taken care of. Like I read something the other day that really resonated with me that we separate mothers and their babies and expect them to go back to work. Like while they're still bleeding sooner than we do dogs and their puppies, a mom in many States is required to go back to work at six weeks. We don't even separate a, 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 a dog from her puppies until eight weeks. And to me, that just really says we are not doing a good job taking care mm. of mothers. And it is no wonder we are so broken right now. And it is really, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It is really just about time that our culture starts to take care of mothers. I agree. 
it's a, it's such a, and there's such a high expectation on mothers too, to be all the things, do all the things. And that's just like this, it's this superwoman mindset that like mm-hmm. is crushing, debilitating. And, um, and I think leaves us in a state where we can't be present. We're not present with our kids then. And we, yeah. and it increases anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. I think when the, all those expectations are layered on us without the support, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. This idea of, I could just go on and on about bouncing back. There is no such thing as bouncing back. Why you've just birthed a baby. Why would you ever want to go back? You are a new body, a new woman. If you've got stretch marks or cellulite or whatever it is that culture tells you is not good enough. Like the most empowering thing you can do is to get all of that nonsense out of your head and know that you are enough. Don't try to bounce back. You just spring forward in this new, incredible. I am like so proud of my body because I know at one point it wasn't possible for me. And so every stretch mark and every dimple that I have in my body, I'm like, yeah, that is because I crawled on my hands and knees into motherhood. And and now I have two babies to mm. look at and know how worth it it all was. It's really cool. I just am sitting with that. That's really powerful. I think too, like we don't take into credit enough, like our new like identity as a mom too. Like, okay. Like obviously there's a deeper identity, but there's definitely been a metamorphosis that occurs. And I think like one of the books I read on motherhood is like our brains literally change for the better. Like there's a rewiring that happens through pregnancy, through those postpartum days that like we actually have a different brain than we did prior to like motherhood and like that it's for the better. And so I think there is this pressure for us to go backwards almost. And that's mm-hmm. like, we're not subhuman now that we have like kids, like we're not. Yes. And I think too, like our, our culture was built, a lot of our medical system built on these ideas that women are hysterical. Right. And like, because we are maybe more emotionally connected and like, we have that emotional intelligence, right. That might not be found elsewhere or in our counterparts. Um, not to say it can't be, but like, there's a unique, you know, intuition that us as women carry and moms. And yeah, I think we've just gotten the short end of the stick in so many ways when actually I feel like I'm more aligned with my true self now into motherhood through this metamorphosis um, and process Mm -hmm. of like, it's definitely a journey of becoming is how I've seen it. Yes. Yes. Whatever the world tells you is your biggest setback is your biggest superpower. Like motherhood has empowered me beyond anything I could have ever chosen because the odds were stacked against me. And, and listen, even if you're one of those women that my mother-in-law is like this, like she had six kids and she loved every single second of pregnancy. And like, it was such a breeze for her. I look up to her so much for raising six kids because I'm raising two and I'm like, okay, so this is a lot, but you know, the thing is, is that there is not, if you, if you easily get pregnant, you might not have such an easy postpartum time or, or nursing. Like every mother has something that did Mm -hmm. not come easy because not because something is wrong with her or her baby, but because something is wrong with culture and the way culture doesn't support women. When I look at 
some of the poorest communities in the world that I've worked with, what's been so cool to see is the way that moms will literally like come into the tent after a new mom has given birth and brush her hair for her for hours. And just while she holds her baby and she nurses her baby, you know, in America, we want to come over and we want to see the baby and we want to hold the baby. But really it's like this time in a lot of other cultures, like no one is allowed to hold the baby except for mom and dad and, and not even dad for like a couple of days, because it's this, like you're talking about, it's like creating and nurturing this bond. And then everyone else just takes care of mom. They brush her hair in some cultures. They will literally put a spoon in her mouth and feed her soup. And, you know, I don't know if America's, if Americans will ever get to that extreme, but it's just moms are going to be the one to, to revolutionize the way that mothers are treated because we know what we needed when we Mm -hmm. were having babies Mm -hmm. and we get to show up for new moms. Like my favorite thing is to be like, I'm coming over to do your dishes. You just had a baby go into your room. You just give me the code and I don't, I don't even want to see you. And it like takes the pressure off of moms because when you say, tell me what you need, moms are not going to tell you what they need. Like we don't even know what we need. Sometimes we're like, I need you to tell me what I need. Cause I don't know. But if a mom can say, this is what I'm doing. It is just, I think we would see a lot of postpartum depression go away Mm, if mm -hmm. moms simply had support from each other. That's huge. What would you say for the mom who has no support? Like, what have you seen as being like really helpful um, to be able to, like, how can we start to fill in those gaps when so many of us are isolated? Maybe we live away from our families or we don't have that supportive network. Do you have any like tips or advice? I think it goes back to taking away your expectations. I think even those of us who do it, I have an incredible, incredible support system, but I am very bad at not only asking for help, but knowing what I need help with. Like when I'm overwhelmed, the last thing I want to do is like organize what I need done. You know, when you're in those moments of overwhelm, you don't know, okay, am I supposed to hire a babysitter? Well, then I got to like look up who to hire and then I have to interview people and I'm already tired just thinking of it. Yeah. So I think if, if you can lower your expectations and know like my house, husband, other children, whoever is in this house, it is not getting, I'm not doing any chores for six months and being direct with your spouse. You know, I think men, and new dads get a lot of shame. And partly part of that is they deserve it. And then another part of that is they are just as lost as us and they don't know how to step up and be supportive and they think they're going to do it wrong. And so I think if you're pregnant, just start getting serious about what don't like lower your expectations and everything else, except for you and baby and creating that bond can be delegated to whoever else. I don't care if you've got to go over and get to know your neighbor, or if you're going to have to look your husband, a lot of my mom friends will say, I think it's this, like trying to live up to this standard and this idea that you think your husband has of you. Listen, your husband knows you are human. Your husband knows you are imperfect and your husband does not expect you to be imperfect. Just look him in the face and say, I actually had my husband (laughs) get up from his side of the bed, walk over to my side of the bed where the, um, 
what is it? The bassinet was and lift her up to me. I mean, all it really took was two seconds for me to lift my own body up and pick her up, but it, it helped me feel rested for him Mm. to put her on me. And then I said, I need you to stay awake while I nurse her just in case I fall asleep. And he did it and he was tired too, but he had to do it because it was what I needed to feel safe. Cause I was terrified of falling asleep. And I was still dealing with like all this trusting myself stuff, you know, that moms go through and there's so many mixed messages about what's safe and what's not safe. And that I knew felt good to me. So for three months, my husband put the baby on me and watched me nurse. And, you know, it was so miserable for him. We were exhausted and like, we sort of hated each other during that time, (laughs) but we look back and we're like, that was such an incredibly bonding time for us because we did something hard together. Mm. And it wasn't just me doing something hard, looking at him sleeping. And you know, that might not work for everything, but pick the two things that are really hard and just ask him to do it. Whether if you're not nursing, like, can you get up and make the bottle and bring it to me? It's those tiny things that yes, you probably could do yourself, but that will make a huge difference in the way that you feel supported and get over yourself. And you have to get over yourself. No one is going to ask for help for you. If you can just think of two small ways that you would feel support from your spouse, from your mom, one person, um, even just, let's say you're raising a baby alone and you don't have family around because of the internet, we have such power, you know, ask for a babysitter that you cannot pay very much money, but you will get experience with a new baby to come over once a week. Be, I know you're exhausted, so you're going to have to be creative moms. I know this sucks, but like at some point we have to do the hard and sucky thing of advocating for ourselves in order to, in the long run, experience the support. That's really powerful. Yeah. I like that. I mean, and just putting it out there, we would never know unless we don't ask and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, no one is judging you. I mean, every mom is like, yes, ask for help. I know when I get asked for help, I love to help. I want yes. to help the people. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why I can't I'm, I'm like so much better now. I think once you lower your expectations, I just am like, you're cooking dinner three nights a week, husband, when you're home, you're cooking dinner three nights a week. Yeah. I don't care if it's like just a baked potato. I'm not doing it. That's so powerful. Well, I think too, like not only are you getting the support that you need, like from your partner, but it also, I feel like that by communicating what you need, A, you're not expecting them to mind read, which can lead to like really unhealthy expectations. And you're also not planting seeds of like, you said you could have been there nursing in bed, just watching your husband sleep, which I feel like could plant seeds of bitterness and like resentment of like, what are you doing? You get all the sleep and you know, like I'm Mm -hmm. over here working my butt off, but instead it was hard. It was tough for both of you to show up. And when you're so sleep deprived, right? Like I feel like my real colors show when I'm so sleep deprived, it exposes every little crack, but looking back, you said you were able to like, it was so bonding for the three of you guys or four of you guys, right? Like going through that together. And so I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you shared. You know, I, I think because I became a mom through adoption first and we kept it a secret. So we did not tell anyone outside of our family for three months. My husband and I got to define being parents for ourselves 
Whereas when you become a parent through biology, you're this woman that you cannot hide being pregnant. You know, you're getting bigger unless you like stay inside for nine months and everyone is telling you how it should be. You don't even realize it. And you see it on TV and you see mom like, like exhausted and nursing. So in your brain, in your subconscious, you think this is how I'm supposed to do it. But because I did it in this very unconventional way, and it was, it was literally a secret. My husband and I were like, what are we supposed to do? Like we became parents overnight. We were like, what do we do? And I, I didn't nurse my adoptive baby. So we split it all. And then when I became a biological mom, I was like, okay, so how are we going to make this equal, you know, equal playing field now? Because I just went through 30 hours of labor and I am not okay. Like I am not okay. You know, those first couple of weeks postpartum, I was like, what just happened? Yeah. Um, and so, but having had that experience through adoption, I was able to advocate for myself and be like, I need your help. Like I cannot do this. Now we have a toddler at home. Help me please. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, that's like often a second time around, right. We know different things like we're, I'm 34 weeks pregnant. And so I, oh my gosh, congrats. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so I'm very aware of like, oh, there's no hiding this right now. And, but like, you know, we're looking at how, how can we change things differently so that I do Mm -hmm. have more support this time around, you know, like we're hiring a postpartum doula and bringing along additional support team because it, it just is such a, you've been through a marathon, right? Like it is like the Olympics and you don't just, you know, it's not just a quick thing and you need help physically, emotionally, spiritually, like relationally, like all of those things are like in play. So, um, I think it's very powerful going through the first one, whether your route of, of adoption or ours, right. With our daughter biologically, but like still the second time I'm like, okay, we're turning. Yeah. And I think it's what's cool and maybe a mind a mindset shift is to instead of saying like what should I be doing or what could I get done because you know women we can stretch ourselves beyond what we even knew but start saying like what do I want this to look like mm. and and that kind of changes everything when you allow yourself to say I get to decide what I want being a new mom to two children looks like do I want to co-sleep or nurse or you've done it before. So that a little bit of the pressure is off, you know, you can keep a little baby alive. So what do I want this to look like this go around giving yourself the freedom and the permission to do that? That's yeah. Fully agree. I think grace, the more we can learn the grace with ourselves and that we don't have to be all things and it's okay to just be human, right? Like at the end of the day, like it's okay to embrace our humanity, um, mm-hmm. especially in motherhood, I think is really powerful. Wow. Yeah. Well, this has been such like such an encouraging conversation for me. It's so delightful. Is there anything you want to share, like parting wisdom, any parts of your story that you would love to like encourage women with that we didn't get to? I would love to hear. Yeah. I think if you I think mostly your audience is, is going to be moms or women who want to become moms just based on the nature of the name. Um, I think the thing for me looking back that I did that I'm the most proud of is I trusted myself even when really I, 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 
could not have. You know, I think the easy route would have been to listen to everyone else or, you know, there were times really low in my journey, in my journey to motherhood where I was like Googling what I thought. Like, I was like, should I think this? Hmm. And, and I think women often seek outside of themselves for the answer to, should I do IVF? Should I adopt? Should I keep trying to get pregnant? Should I, whatever this is when really we know, like if we get real quiet and real still with ourselves and we dare to trust ourselves. Cause unfortunately like the thing that is meant for us often is not the loudest and the most obvious, you know, if you are a mom or want to become a mom and you're on that journey, just trust yourself, trust yourself with your baby. And even when a doctor, you know, a doctor who we want to trust, um, they, are not the boss of you. You are the boss of you and you get to decide what's best for you and your family. And that has been really the most empowering thing for me. It's, it's also the most terrifying thing knowing that I'm the boss of my own life, but just knowing that I don't have to solicit advice from other people. I can go inward first and then hear what everyone else has to say, but always bounce that off of what I know to be true right here inside. And, and truthfully, the only reason I have my two girls is because there were a lot of no's that I said and, and really intentional yeses that I said in my journey to motherhood and, and how I healed my body was because I trusted myself when everyone else was telling me not to. So mamas, the best thing you can do for yourself is to really trust that voice inside of you. Mm, I couldn't agree more. That's really powerful. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. Um, I know there's a lot of women listening who are really going to resonate with different parts of their, your story. What's the best way to like connect with you, follow you, um, see the work that you're doing? Maybe even you mentioned like the the work you're doing with mission 108, um, Mm -hmm. what, what's the best way for people to stay, stay in touch with you? You can find me on my personal Instagram, which is Brit B R I T T underscore Ross R O S S one zero eight. And I share a lot of wellness tips and I share a lot about motherhood and marriage there. And then if you're interested in mission 108, which is the nonprofit that I started that does anti-human trafficking work in India and the U S you can follow us. It's just at mission 108 on Instagram. Uh, those are like Instagram is the main thing for me. I'm we're on other social media platforms, but if you want to get like in touch with me, get on Instagram. Awesome. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And this has just been such a delight. And um, I really thank just, you. I just want to honor to your vulnerability, your courage to share your story too, because um, I know there's a lot of like a lot of beauty, but a lot of pain woven together. And um your story is beautiful. You are beautiful. And so I just really honor you and thank you so much for being willing to share with us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, and like, look at you 34 weeks pregnant and like being such a boss. I'm (laughs) in such awe of you. (laughs) Thank you. I, yeah, this is, this is why I'm doing it is because like you said, moms, we, we are the ones who are going to make the difference. And this vision to support moms has been 
deep inside me for a long time. And I think just being pregnant myself for the third time, second baby for us though, like it's, uh, it's heightened the awareness of how much need Mm -hmm. out there there is and that we have to stick together. Like we have to link arms and do it together and not in isolation. So yes, why I'm showing up here today with you and thank you. And it encourages me in my own journey as well. So well, yes. thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Nourish Motherhood podcast. It is such an honor to journey with you each and every single week. If you love this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us an honest review. It helps us get this show in front of more amazing women like yourself. Thanks, friend, and we'll see you next week.